Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere, they go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports-based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at League Apps com or as league apps on all of the social networks now here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of united soccer coaches dean linky and i am dean linky proud to host the united soccer coaches podcast presented by league apps and on behalf of the association we are honored to dedicate this entire show to Katie Meyer's story and the commitment her parents, Gina and Steve, and all of her loved ones have made together to educate and champion Katie's life. Katie Meyer, a former national champion goalkeeper at Stanford, was a bright light who was striving to make a truly positive impact for the future of our world. We, all of us, are now in a moment with the opportunity to help her do exactly that. Make no mistake, keeping memories alive can play an important role in relieving grief. Katie Meyer wanted to do big things in this world, and she did. Katie had incredible potential, and her future was limitless. Katie was wholeheartedly cherished. You will hear that today as well. By listening to today's podcast featuring Katie's loving parents, Gina and Steve, having a heartfelt discussion with legendary Florida head coach Becky Burley and Brett Ledbetter, the two leaders of What Drives Winning, we can all do our part to learn and grow together. With that, before we turn it over to Becky Burley and Brett Ledbetter to lead the discussion with Gina and Steve Meyer, I first want to give the floor to Patricia Hughes, the United Soccer Coaches Director of College Programs. Trish, I salute your tireless dedication to the association, to the good of the game, and to the Meyer family. Thank you, Trish Hughes. Thank you, Dean. It's such a pleasure to be here with all of you today. Um, Steve and Gina, I want to especially thank you both for inviting me in to be a part of this journey with you. I was very fortunate to have been contacted by the Myers family to talk a little bit about their new initiative and certainly it was an opportunity for us to partner with them and to help raise awareness and continuing to spread the message of the work that they are engaged in. As a coaches association, you know, we're, we're very involved with leading and growing leaders in the athletic industry and specifically soccer coaches and any chance we have to raise awareness and partner with wonderful individuals is certainly a good opportunity for us to continue to drive home our mission and support as we can. I want to thank Steve and Gina for the opportunity to join them today. But before we, we dive in with Becky and Brett, who will lead this conversation, I would be very honored, Steve and Gina, if you would just, for the sake of our listeners and those who are joining us, talk to us a little bit and tell us about Katie, please. Thank you, Trish. Katie is our middle daughter. And from the day she was born, she was radiant and energetic and just the sweetest kid you could imagine. Uh, as a youngster, she was rambunctious and, and, and fun and tireless and loved her big sister, Samantha. She was in elementary school, a great student, excited about school all the time. Didn't have to convince Katie to go to school. She was out the door early. Uh, she got involved in student government from a young age. and She was always passionate about that. 
and she loved giving speeches to her school. Through her elementary years, she dabbled in all different kinds of sports, anything from gymnastics to swimming to horseback riding, junior high slash middle school. She stayed involved in student government and made friends with just anybody. That was one thing about Katie. She was open to relationships and friendships with all walks of life. Just an amazing daughter for us to be a part of her life. Through high school, she stayed involved in student government where soccer became more serious in her world at that point in time. Just a passionate, passionate young lady. As time went on at Stanford, yes, she was successful in soccer, but she was also exploring other avenues of her personality. She was about to embark on many, many things, mm-hmm. including having her own podcast and uh, going to do a TED Talk. She was mm-hmm. to be a correspondent for Just Women's Sports for the NCAA Basketball March Madness. She was a Defense Innovator Scholar and International Relations major. She was awaiting on law school. She was awarded a Mayfield Fellowship. She was excited about her future. From our perspective as her parents, I mean, she was just a, a delight to raise and to be in our lives. She was so passionate. She loved her family fiercely. She loved her friends fiercely. And we miss her every day. Yeah, she absolutely lit up a room. Like from the beginning, she she loved being I've said it kind of the center of attention, the life of the party. She was kind of that kid, but always bright, fearless from the beginning. She was, she was my kid jumping out of trees, you know, uh, her skateboard flipping, you know, stitches. Like she was that kid, which is why I think she became a goalkeeper. Yeah. Fearless from the beginning, fiercely loyal. She was, we called her a mama lion, very protective of her, of her teammates of her family, of her sisters. She was always loyal through and through. Like once you were a friend with Katie, that that was it. You know, you were a friend for life and protected. And she she was just a, she was a a great kid. Wonderful. Just a a spark, a spark of energy, glowing, sweet. I mean. And funny, very, very funny. Had a great sense of humor too. Yeah. Smart. Sometimes we'd be like, how'd you figure that out? Like just from being young, like when she was little, she was also in the Girl Scout troop. She had a, you know, a lot of people know her just as a soccer player, but Katie had a very well-rounded upbringing and was involved in a lot of things. That was Gina and Steve Meyer, the parents of Katie Meyer, talking about their late daughter. Right now, and also at the end of this podcast, we will invite all of you to visit the website dedicated to Katie Meyer in memoriam and tribute and with a purpose. That website is Katie's Save. That's K-A-T-I-E-S-S-A-V-E dot org. When we return, Becky Burley and Brett Ledbetter from What Drives Winning will lead an in-depth discussion with Gina and Steve Meyer, and we will bring that conversation to you after this message from the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast, Lee Gaps. We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform. So you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast.
Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. Once again, here's the host of the show, Dean Linky. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. As promised, I now turn it over to Becky Burley and Brett Ledbetter, spending time with Gina and Steve Meyer, the parents of Katie Meyer. The first voice you will hear is that of Becky Burley. Steve and Gina, thanks so much for giving us a little insight there because that does tell a more rounded picture of her than just the soccer player that a lot of us know. I'm really appreciative of you being willing to to share this journey that you've been on and I'm going to turn it over to Brett to ask a few questions and get even deeper insight. So thanks for doing that. Sure. Thank you. Maybe where I'd like to start is just from a parental perspective, how do you process this event? Brett, I don't I don't know if you ever truly process it. Um, I think you are shattered from the moment you hear this information, you're in shock. You, you don't believe, you know, it's, it's, you're going through the, the numbness, the shock being cracked wide open, completely shattered. It's almost like, I, I, you know, I did a deep dive into reading and, and this is very true. It's like, it's almost like an amputation, like you're losing a limb because you're losing a part of yourself. And, and, you know, when Katie died, you know, I've said a part of myself has died as well, you know, because she was a part of us. Yeah. So losing a child, you know, is I think perhaps the worst thing someone could go through. That's a, that's a parent. It is, it's, it's, there's nothing, there's nothing else. So yeah, it's been, it's been very hard. It's been devastating. It's still raw. Um, it's barely been four months. So I think we're in a spot now where the shock and the numbness have worn off and it's the, it's the permanence of it that is, is now setting in, which is also very difficult. Um, but we're, you know, we know that Katie would want us to move forward. We know that she would not want us in a corner all day, balled up crying. We know she would want us to have some hope and peace and joy with her sisters and, and her sisters are, you know, everything to us right now. So that is what is pushing us forward along with, you know, trying to, trying to make a difference now, you know, trying to look forward in what can we do? So this doesn't happen to another family, another student. Yeah, Jim's right. It, it, it is shattering, you know, for those parents out there, you know, way I describe it sometimes is uh, you reach an age in your life where you're you're raising kids and you are aware of yourself in the sense that we're all flawed human beings, right? Everybody makes mistakes and, and, and we move on. Some of the tougher parts for us to process, or at least myself, is like with parenting and fatherhood, like I always felt like I put my best into my kids, you know, flawed as an individual, but my goodness, am I going to try to be a great dad today, whatever that day may bring. And so having an earnest effort like that and you lose a daughter unexpectedly, is, it is shattering. And I think there's a difference between something being broken that you can kind of put back together and something being shattered. Shattered, you can try to put that back together, but it will never quite be the same. And that's how we feel yet at the same time whenever we get upset maybe it's a memory this morning I was walking through a park where I used to be with her 
uh, hundreds and hundreds of times through the years. And I have visions of her running around out there playing whatever. And it, it does, it makes me sad, but then at the same time, I'm able to thankfully take that sadness, whatever that was, whether it's that or a song I hear on the radio that reminds me of her or anything, and just be grateful ultimately that we did have those moments with her, those memories with her, that time with her. I wouldn't trade that for anything, you know, because it was special. Obviously, everything we do going forward, and we're going to try to do a lot, will not bring her back. And we understand that. But to honor her and then to help youngers going forward, uh, we will keep pushing and, and almost try to do it in her radiant warrior spirit. You know, we will not quit until we get some things done. And as you think about the last four months, what are the most common questions you all are asking yourself internally? I would say uh, amongst a few things, like we were a really close family. Mm -hmm. I'm really close with her as parents. We talked to her a lot. We texted her a lot. We went to visit her as often as we could between the two of us. We would tag team. One would have our younger child. One would be going up to see Katie. A lot, a lot of that because our youngest also plays soccer. So mm -hmm. we, um, I know what you're getting at. We're, yeah. we're, we're just, you know, a tight, this tight family of five. And we did feel as though Katie told us everything. We thought we were always told everything. And then we wonder why, you know, um, specifically the last like six months of her life, there were things she wasn't, wasn't telling us, um, which is, which is the hardest part because, you know, we feel like had we known some of the information, um, this could have been preventable, you know, maybe, you know, this would have been a different situation. So, um, I think that's the hardest part, Brett, is you send your kid to college at 18 years old or when they're about 18, and technically they're an adult. And because of, you know, HIPAA, FERPA, all the different laws, you get no information from the university. Um, you don't get their grades. You don't get any um, physical injuries, any um, mental health issues, any disciplinary issues. You get, you don't know anything unless your child tells you. And it is very difficult because as a young emerging adult, I think that's what they want to do. They want to try to adult and some stuff they want to, you know, they don't want to be a burden or they're embarrassed about or ashamed about, and they keep things quiet. But, but here's the thing, Brett and Becky, is that um, their brain is not fully developed. I mean, this is science. This is, we had a, a wonderful conversation actually with uh, Dr. Brian Hainline, who's the NCAA chief medical officer, and he's a neurologist. And we, we had a great conversation about the, the brain and it is not developed until 25, 26 years old. So your whole prefrontal cortex, right? Which is good judgment, rational decision-making that is not ready yet. That is not ready to go until they're a little older. So the middle part of the brain, which is more emotional, emotional more um, impulsive, not rational all the time. That is what those kids are, are, are working with a little bit more. So here's 
part of that problem. And when she had stuff, when she was, you know, in, in high school and middle school and home, where her support net, you know, your parent, guardian, who's ever around her, right? That support safety net. Can talk and then her through stuff. can talk her through stuff, build her things happen, build up, you know, that self-esteem, the confidence, whatever it is, if they're, if they're facing adversity and they have some big challenges at college, they don't have that unless they confide in their parents. And I think they struggle. I think she struggled with, you know, yes, I want to be an adult and I, and, but, but they're not quite there yet. That's part, that's part of the problem. And I think had we known some of the stuff she was going through, we would have been able to support her and give her more and, guidance and more support. If she had- And if you learn about these yeah. things and you you sort of look retrospectively up with mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. how do you think about, would that have changed the approach at all with you all? Oh yeah. Absolutely. A hundred and twenty times. Yeah. 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 A lot. I mean, we would have been up there we would have raced up to Stanford. There were a couple different things, but we would have been up there and we would have said, okay, what, what, how can we help you? What do we need to do? Who do we need to involve? Where should we go? Who do we need? I mean, it, it would have been a whole, it would have, could have been a game changer because here's the thing. If they're carrying something, whatever they're carrying, whether it's bad grades, whether it's a disciplinary action, whether it's mental health issues, whatever it may be that they're carrying, if they're carrying that burden alone, I mean, that's a lot, that's a heavy burden to carry on top of everything else they have going on, playing their best game, you know, juggling school relationships, whatever it is. So they need that safety net. They need sometimes that extra, whether it's a trusted adult, designated advocate, a coach that they can turn to. If it is, if it's not their parent or guardian, there's got to be another person, a trusted adult. It's as someone that they can turn to in times of need because it can spiral very quickly. Things can get out of out of hand as as we know very very quickly. How do you approach the conversations with her siblings after you find out? It was I mean, it was uh, it was uh, horrible. Yeah, a nightmare. Uh, it's, it's your worst nightmare used to be yeah. candid i mean we would drive to stanford very often and that drive from where we live is about six hours when you include the stops and that drive that day with our two daughters felt like six years we were we were Couldn't all at work fast enough so uh, i'm at work as a paraeducator my daughter my oldest daughter who's married is a fifth grade a school teacher. Yeah. Our other daughter is in high school. We were all working. So we had to pull everyone out and, you know, be very transparent from the very beginning and do that long drive up in disbelief and in shock and, and, and in so much shock because in a million years, we would have never thought this would have happened right. to our family and to Katie in a million years, Brett, like this is not we didn't understand. We had just been on the phone with her that night before we had all, we were on FaceTime. There were no red flags. There was no mom's intuition gut that anything was wrong. So this literally came out of nowhere. So there is such a multitude of shock. You are, it's an out of body experience. You are going through the motions once you reach campus and, and 
I mean, as a family, I think we did the best we could keeping our two girls very involved in all the decision-making and what went forward. We wanted to go through this as a family together. You kind of hunker down together as a family to, to, to go forward that way. But yeah, it was awful. It was awful. Yeah. And so as you're talking to other parents, I mean, I just, the thing that it makes chokes me up is that you're FaceTiming the night before. Yeah. And there's nothing there. And then the next day your life changes forever. Yeah. Yeah. How do you explain that to another parent? It's, it's hard to explain to some degree because during that FaceTime, that FaceTime was long enough that we all, our entire family participated in that. And, and Katie was making plans for the future. We were, I was getting her airline tickets for spring break. She was putting a deposit on another airline ticket. She was going to go with friends for a couple of days to Mexico from here, from Los Angeles. We were coordinating her spring break. So this was all for the future. There was no indication, zero. And, and this is, this is another thing that I like to talk about today. I mean, I know you know, there is a stigma, I think, with, with suicide. And there's like all these, like, look for all these signs. Well, Katie didn't have those signs. There wasn't those signs. There wasn't a history of depression. There was not a history of mental illness. And it's not to say there wasn't underlying vulnerabilities going on. She had had surgery on a knee. She had broken up with, with, um, you know, in a relationship, she had broken up with someone. There, there were vulnerabilities. Coaches that she adored had moved on to other, other uh, jobs. universities. Uh, teammates that she adored had moved on to the next level. There, there's so all there's these vulnerabilities, things going on. yet at the yeah. same time, if, without the, the bias of knowing what happened in the end, then those happen. Those happen. That's life, right? That happens. Right. But I think in Katie's situation, I would, I'll call it a mental crisis. There was a mental crisis. And sometimes with suicide, it is a perfect storm of, of glitches. I'm going to call it, there were some glitches that happened that led to a perfect storm in her mind of, a, of that moment of feeling my life is over. I am maybe a failure. I you know, it, it's all those feelings. My identity's gone. I'm not going to go to law school. I'm not going to get in here. I'm not going to play whatever it is, whatever was spiraling through her mind. It was that kind of traumatic crisis that she could not pull out from. Nothing that we had seen coming because we didn't know any information until after we got to Stanford after she had died. And then we started picking up breadcrumbs through her friends, through, you know, it was a few things here and there that we had to start kind of piecing together what happened because this was not our child. And it is scary. It is scary because if it can happen to our family, it could happen to, it feels like it could happen to any family. Yeah. And I think that ties back to your original question right. like, with other parents and so forth. There's no playbook for us um, in terms of how to have those conversations with other families and parents. I think what Gina just said is true in the sense of if it can happen to this family, it can happen to any family. And that's what has, I think, uh, gotten the attention of a lot of parents. I do know that I've been told a lot of parents have had 
some really down to earth, deep, honest conversations with their children that they never thought that they would have. And, and I think that's what needs to happen. Yes. I think that's what needs to start happening is opening up that conversation with your child and ha- talking about um, even what's the going children, on, by everything. the way, even the children, and this maybe is what applies to us to a degree, even the children who seem like they are rolling mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. You're hearing the voices of Gina and Steve Meyer, the parents of Katie Meyer. The first part of this discussion was led by Brett Ledbetter. When we return, Brett will invite Becky Burley in to ask Gina and Steve more questions. Once again, this is the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. We'll continue this discussion after these messages. This is Dean Linke, longtime college soccer play-by-play man, reminding all college soccer coaches to amplify your upcoming season with the United Soccer Coaches College Services Program. Register now for the 2022-23 season and gain access to valuable resources you can use all season long. From educational programming to general liability insurance, the list of member benefits is endless. Make sure your program gets the recognition they deserve through All-America, Scholar All-America, Staff of the Year, and Team Awards available for college services members. Don't miss out. Early bird registration ends October 1st, so sign up today by going to unitedsoccercoaches.org. Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love, delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform from robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations. League Apps saves you time and headaches, less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. You know, Becky, I'd like to invite you into this conversation because I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts, one. But two, one of the things that we ask coaches is what has changed in today's environment for the athlete from when you played the sport? And the list is so long and you've facilitated so many conversations around that. Would you mind facilitating this conversation with them, Bex? Sure. I think about what you've said, and I really appreciate your honesty and the depth of what you're talking about, because this is such an important conversation. And when you think about it, you all, I think, are younger than I am. And so my question would be to you as parents, like, what have you seen differently for your athlete, Katie, at her stage in college, even in comparison to your 15-year-old? Like, what's different? I think the biggest difference actually you know, from, from your days, Becky, and even my days being an athlete, it's that social media, social media, also name, image, and likeness, having that identity now trying to portray whatever you're trying to portray on social media and getting those sponsorships, being an influencer that is, um, again, going back to brain development, that's a lot for a for a kid to carry. And now it's, we're seeing it, you know, in, in high school, right? The high schoolers, a couple of them are getting some, some sponsorship deals and stuff, but their parents can help navigate them through that. Again, when they're over at college, 
it, it's, it's hard. We, you know, as a parent, you're walking that fine line because you want to give your kid that independence. You want to give them, you know, that space to, to grow yeah. and, and fly on their own yet. They still need that guidance, right? They still need sometimes that extra advice a little. So it's, um, that is the biggest, biggest thing. And I know there are so many good positive things out with social media, but there's also a lot of negative out there. Yeah. It's a tricky thing. Uh, yeah. If you think about it, you know, the average college senior right now, let's say they're 22 ish, uh, highly likely they've had social media for 10 years, some form of it a decade on. Right. I think we as a society are still learning what, what we've accrued with that as a society. It does seem that the instantaneous pressures because of instantaneous feedback are there and they're heightened more mm -hmm. so than they were mm -hmm. uh, in the past. You know, you have a, a soccer player or a basketball player, softball, you pick the sport who's got highlights on Sports Center. Next thing you know, that's up on Twitter. Next thing you know, it goes to their feed. Next thing you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of comments on there and they come in fast and furious and they can be incre incredibly polarizing based on what that highlight is. That's a lot mm -hmm. versus uh, back in the day, that highlight, number one, may have not even made Sports Center. Number two, if it did, there was no place for a public instantaneous forum to be happening mm -hmm. and for a young person to be taking in what people they don't even know are saying about them. That's a different dynamic that's mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. And we don't pretend to be experts in that world. Mm -hmm. We don't, and we're not. We're just observing like what it's like to have a child who's gone through what she went through and what those factors might be. And I don't know where we're going to go as a society with all of that. I can only imagine that social media is not going away. No. In fact, it may get more intense. And yeah. uh, we'll see where, uh, where we go as a society with those factors. Mm -hmm. And as far as our younger daughter, um, I guess the only thing I could say to that on the positive side is as her parents, we now, at least from the parent side, have some experience with that. And we have been able to talk her through a few things. And, um, and she got to watch her older sister go through the uptake of Instagram and different other platforms and kind of learn from that as well. The number one answer we get from coaches is social media. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I love how you have taken it deeper because when we ask them, you know, okay, what is it about social media? They express some of the exact same things that you've talked about, the comparison, the access to comments, mm -hmm. all of that plays into it. I'd be curious from, a, from your perspective as parents, like how does that inform you with your younger daughter in terms of her presence on social media? Yeah, she's a little different than Katie, a very different personality. She's already a little quieter. She's a little shyer. Katie, you know, loved posting. She loved posting and she she loved people and she loved being in the public eye, you know, good or bad. I mean, she she didn't like the bad, don't get me wrong. And and sometimes when she was younger, especially, we would say, you know, take that off. Don't, don't even like, we would be giving her some advice on this, or I'd be like, don't post so much, you know, don't pull back a little <laughs> bit, pull. So I was kind of that person. Sienna, our youngest does not post as much in general. She's like I said, so I'm, I'm anxious to see, I guess, as time goes on, she's 15, kind of where that leads for her. But um, so far, she's a little more private in general. So I don't know you know, Katie, Katie was much more open 
to the public out there. So yeah, and, yeah, and and Katie's generation, they were on the edge of that wave of Instagram. They were, off. they were on they the were. edge of it. So mm -hmm. they're finding out mm -hmm. as they're going, and so are we as parents of that generation. This post is good. Mm -hmm. This post not so good. This post was great. Mm -hmm. This post get rid of that immediately. Mm -hmm. Everybody's learning on the fly with that along the way. Mm -hmm. uh, I would optimistically hope that sort of the the girls that are five, six, seven, eight years younger that are freshmen in high school now, they've sort of seen the perils of some of that. And mm -hmm. they are kind of laying low a little more on Instagram and other platforms. I guess we'll find out as it goes. Yeah, I think I think you've uh, you've really hit the nail on the head with some of the depth of your answers with that. I guess my my next question before turning it back over to Brett would be as a parent, you know, we've talked a little bit about this offline about the the pressures to, that it even takes to get to a place like Stanford, let alone become a superstar at Stanford like Katie was. Like and and even the sacrifices. Can I interject real quick? I mean, sure. we're around coaches all the time. And it we you have some of your colleagues that have Hall of Fame resumes, yet they still feel like a failure. Mm -hmm. And the coach is so important and not isolating this to any coach in particular at all. Truly. I, I mean that when I say this, mm -hmm. but they have such an impact on how they process their own experience on how others process their experience. That was one of the things that came out with the collaborations that we're doing with coaches is that point. Can you speak to that, Becky, as you frame this question? For us as coaches to wrap our identity in our wins and losses. And if we are doing that, what are we modeling for the athletes that we're coaching? And that's just a, that's a phenomenon across sports and across coaches. And I think like Brett said, it's not specific to any one coach. It's just something we see often. And how do you, how do you deal with that when you're modeling that to an athlete? Right. Well, I mean, it sounds like coaches have their people too, right? So whether they're a coach or an athlete, parent, anybody, when you get on that social media, whatever platform that is, I think this may not be the technically correct term, but I like to call it comparativism when everybody's putting their best foot forward. And so mm -hmm. it's very easy to start comparing your life to this coach's life. My goodness, he's got a vacation here. His team just won this, his team won that. Her team is doing this, her team won that. Becky, again. what Steve is saying is so spot on. Everyone's Literally, we one up, right? It's keeping up with the Joneses and the one-upping and I've got to be better than this or I've got to look better than this or... Yeah. It's too, it's See, a little now, too to your point, uh, Becky, do you remember we were just with a coach and he said a sign that his athletes are struggling is when they post previous highlights so they mm -hmm. can get affirmation. So they have a rule in their program that anybody that posts highlights from long ago when they were having success, the team reaches out and says, everything okay, man? I, I love that. Yeah, that's a great idea. It just shows you the depths to which we go for affirmation. And, and I think what you guys are talking about is so important because it is just highlighted by social media. We may have had those feelings prior to social media, but we didn't have the ability to compare ourselves to others so readily. And I love your term comparativism, by the way. And so I think that is such a huge factor in what's happening around the modern athlete right now. And I don't know that we give it enough attention and probably to your point, 
we're all on the cutting edge of this. So we're all learning as we go. Right. Yeah. And it becomes so narrow to Steve's point, because what, what ends up happening is if you, even if you just watch the NBA playoffs and you can pull it all the way down is it's like a, a rock concert, the higher you go. And so you feel that energy, but then you go to the locker room and you pull out this thing mm -hmm. and then you get on social media. And then if you hit your notifications, there's a constant stream talking about you. And it's so easy to see if, if you let the praise affect you, the criticism is going to do the same thing. And yeah. I think that coaches will say, hey, social media, number one thing, but learning how to make their voice persuasive to where when the athlete leaves that locker room and is hit with a tidal wave, that they mm -hmm. can still hear what that coach is saying, that's mm -hmm. really the opponent. And Steve, I don't know if you'd like to wave in on that. I think that's a great way of putting it because you can't really crystallize it better than that in my view, because that's what that moment is, right? Let's mm -hmm. say someone just got done with an amazing game, their team, unbelievable, right? And yeah, they're going to look at that phone on their way to their car, their bus or their well, bike. Katie went through it. And Katie yeah, went through it. I was just going to say that. Can I just add in, I, yeah. as Katie a coach, right? Yeah. Because obviously Katie wins the national championship in a penalty shootout, there's no more highlighting opportunity for a goalkeeper than a penalty shootout. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she was really demonstrative in the shootout. And if you, if you look, I remember this as a, as a fellow coach, as you look at the comments that were populating when those highlights were posted, there were some on both sides, Oh yeah, like amazing yeah. performance or like, why she got cocky, act like that. Yeah, cocky. I mean, she got she had a lot of, you know, quote, haters. She actually had to shut that. her phone down from the prior game. From the prior from the game. final four game, because there was a moment in that game where in, uh, the opposing team scored a rather soft goal on her in the beginning of the game. And an opposing forward was talking a little smack out there. Mm -hmm. Later in that first half, uh, PK was called on one of the backline players from Katie's team. And ironically and oddly enough the player who was talking smack to katie earlier in the game was the one selected to take the pk mm -hmm. she ripped that pk katie made a great save the ball got cleared away katie let her have it a little bit kind of got it in her face and little, that was yeah. the night it started and twitter went berserk and, yeah. and she had to shut down and, and and the player who was involved tweeted that player's coach retweeted like when we say earlier, everybody's learning how to navigate this, you know, one would think that, that a coach, an experienced coach, certainly would not have retweeted a negative tweet about yeah. a player on yeah. another team. But that happened. And we well, because emotions are high. Emotions right? are high. But Katie had to ultimately shut that phone down. She yeah. turned off all of social media. And that was not only her, but I think at the request of her coaches, yeah. her family, we told her we're like, get you have to get out of the negative because now you've got a national championship. And then, yes, it happened again, Becky, with the national championship. That's kind of who she was. I mean, yeah. Katie and, and and sometimes you would think she didn't care. She let some of that roll off her back. I would have a conversation with her about that. And she was like, we won the national championship. I don't, I don't care what other people think we won. Like she was so proud of her teammates. So proud of that moment. Uh, you know, can I ask you one question yeah. real quick? Yeah. I, I literally this, I was just on a zoom last week and a professional athlete said, bro, we want people to think we don't care, but we do. 
but they do. And that's, that was my point. I was just going to say, you thought she had this thick skin, but she was sensitive inside and she was sensitive. And I think, um, well, if you think about it, that celebration she did, mm-hmm. cause I talked to her about it and she's like, it wasn't planned. She's like, in that moment, it's just emotional. all the hard work I ever put in as an athlete, every single bit of it, whether it's my training with my team, whether it's me home doing lonely work at the park, all the rejections that might've happened on the sporting field, all the losses, everything I went through as an athlete, finally, I got my yes and I Mm -hmm. let it loose. And when you go through those years of sacrifice, Mm -hmm. right. And you let it loose and you celebrate, and then you're getting hit hard for it. That's tough. Mm -hmm. That's tough. Mm -hmm. Hey, Steve, let me stay with you for one second on that point. I see so many athletes work so hard to build their following. And then they have one visible moment where they have a ton of negativity and they've worked all these years to build it up. And they're like, I'm done. How do you think about that? It's, it's a tough moment. I think that's right? some gotta, of her. Almost in a way, someone I think has to help that athlete now that you're bringing it up, right? And it's a question I haven't really thought about before per se. I guess my initial response would be as an athlete, as a coach, as a mentor, whatever, maybe we discuss that possible moment with that athlete before it ever happens. Cause that's the world we're in right now. I have a good friend who's a coach in, uh, at a nearby school. And he was talking about how it's a different player today. And I said, maybe, but I said, ultimately, isn't it a different world mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. than 20 years ago? And so your question is interesting and it does point to that athlete per se, isn't necessarily different than an athlete 15 years ago. The world that athlete is existing in is now different. 15 years ago, that athlete wouldn't have had that moment where they've built up, built up, built up, built up. And now on social media, they're getting destroyed. And so maybe we talk to our athletes, our young people about, hey, let's be prepared for this moment. If this ever happens to you, hopefully it never happens, but maybe. And so what's that response? And I think their identity and their character and how they come across in social media, that's everything to them. I know for Katie, that was so important. So even though she would say, oh, I don't, I don't care about some stuff, she did care. Her character, her identity is everything. So when that identity or character is feeling like it's getting ripped away from them or there's negativity, they can spiral very quickly because then they're, what are they canceled? Is it canceled culture? They're part of that. So, so that is probably for them, like the worst thing that could happen is that they get canceled. So um, in Katie's situation- you know, To your point her, though, Gina, like, cause Becky, uh, we were just talking and, and it used to be, you would look in the mirror and then mm-hmm. you would leave and go hang out with friends, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. a coach was just saying that we've never had a generation that have stared at themselves mm-hmm. more than any other generation and to watch the fingers on how they edit their pictures. Yeah. It's yeah. like they're little scientists creating an image for the world to see. Becky, that was such an interesting conversation. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other conversation that brought me to that point that you just mentioned, Brett, is a player saying like, okay, you know what? I can sort of take when people criticize my game um, on social media. But when they start criticizing myself, my person, my character, mm-hmm. that for, I think, a lot of people really crosses a line to where... How good was that athlete too, Becky? Oh, the, the one of the best in the world. And and this person is saying like, hey, I can handle it when they talk about me, you know, not playing well, but I can't handle it when they talk about me as a person. Right. 
And that's what that's what the modern athlete is facing, because when you look at those comments and specifically the comments I was addressing after the penalty shootout, some of those had nothing to do with her play. Correct. Some of those had to do with her character. And that's that's tough. And that's and and, and quite honestly, and her gender. You know, if that was a, a guy, if that was the men's final and that goalkeeper went off like that. That's everybody's new favorite goalkeeper. And, right. and but yet she took a lot of heat for that. Now, she did. to be yeah. fair, there was a lot of praise and there, she became somebody's favorite new goalkeeper as well. But then there was a lot of like, get back in the kitchen. What are you doing? And that did bother her. Yeah. And justifiably so. Yeah. Gina, as a mom, like when you see those those comments about the character side of it, how do you how do you look at those? Oh, she's ready to tackle someone, Becky. That's Mama Bear coming out. It is Mama Bear. I mean, that's it is. I I it's hard though. It is so hard because there's part of me that's like mortified. Like, this is my baby. This is my girl. Why is she, you know, getting that kind of criticism? Yet, you know, then I'll go to Katie and I'll be like, oh, honey, that a little too much, maybe pull back, you know, so I, it's like, I'm, I'm always torn, but you're right. The mama lion comes out in me too. And of course you want to protect your kid. You'll do anything you can to protect your kid. So, um, and Katie had that personality. She just had that. She had a little bit of swag. She was a badass. She had that charisma. I mean, but a lot of that also was the outside that you saw that she let people see on the soccer field. You know, what people didn't see is who, who she was when she was just Katie or just dancing with her teammates or just at home snuggling with me on the couch, watching Netflix, you know, you, you, you didn't, people didn't see that side of her. That was the only thing they see with athletes, right. Is what, what they're doing. Right. So, you know, it, 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 it was tough. This tough. That was a tough moment, but but yet I think we were so celebrating that national championship that we were able to get through that. We were able as parents to talk to her, to support her again. You rebuild them up again and you kind of say, Hey, the haters are going to hate. So you're able to, again, kind of support them and be that safety net and, and that unconditional love that your family loves you no matter what, you know, be humble, be grateful, tone it down a notch now, but but yes, you you celebrated that win and that's fine. You know, Becky, it makes me think anytime you're going to show emotion, yeah. it's going to create polarization. And so yeah. when, anytime you split the audience, you're going to have praise and you're going to have criticism and hate. And when you have someone as a performer self, there is a rough competitive exterior where they can manage that. Mm-hmm. But then when you slip back into your real self, that's where humanity lies. That's where the gentle heart lies. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you get back to that space, it's so hard to battle the outside. And I think so many athletes struggle with that tension. Yeah, I agree. And I can tell you like from experience as a coach in that space, I think it is very hard, even as a coach, to separate my performer self from my authentic self. So how am I equipping my athletes to do that when it's a struggle for myself? Mm -hmm. Uh I think that's why what you all are doing is such an important cause. And we are are so thankful uh, for your vulnerability today. Uh And then the electric conversation that followed with what you've witnessed throughout the socialization of an athlete. And we are inspired by your strength. And Becky, is there anything you'd like to say in closing? I would just like to say that 
you know, in talking to you all and getting to know you better and to know Katie better just through your stories and your experiences, that has really motivated me as a coach and as a leader of other people to try and really pay attention to the ways that I can change things and help be a better model for my athletes. Because sometimes I don't think I think of everything that I'm doing is being passed on, but I can tell you there's probably more passed on by my actions than by my words. And Mm -hmm. I just appreciate you bringing this whole conversation to light because it's, it's such an important one. With that being said, I want to pass it over to Dean to just talk about what you all are trying to do going forward. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you, Becky. And certainly on behalf of Brett and you, Gina and Steve Meyer, Trish Hughes, and all of United Soccer Coaches, thank you for listening to today's United Soccer Coaches podcast. We're going to promote your website in just a second. But before we do that, as you sit here today, can you share a message about what you want the legacy of Katie Meyer to be now and forever? Go ahead. Giving it your all. I think we as parents gave it our all with her. In fact, I know we did. And she gave it her all with everything she did. And I think if we all continue to give it all in the best way that we can, as a a team of, of everybody on this podcast and people listening, if we can just give it all for that good goal, then we're going to get somewhere for the, for the future. Well said. And thank you for giving us all of you today, as well as Becky and Brett and Trish and all of United Soccer Coaches. To learn more about Katie's Save, please go to katiessave.org. Remember, it is Katie's. Don't forget the S, K-A-T-I-E-S, save.org. Get involved. Make a great save like we all know Katie would. May God bless Katie Meyer, and may God bless you all. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.